Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode 557. I'm Jeff. Robbie. Sasha. And tonight we are going to be covering two amazing reviews. The first one, Ditch the Paper, we've got the e-paper. And as well, we're going to be taking a look at a PTZ camera that's going to blow your mind with a price point that will blow it even more so. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, Plex, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. We're here. Welcome to the show. I'm glad that you are here. I'm Robbie. I'm Sasha. And I'm Jeff. How you two been? Good. Yeah, good week. Oh, yeah. Awesome week. The weather's been yes. delightful, so I've been outside always. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. my wife good. dragged me outside, too. We had to do some gardening. I uh, just got um, season tickets to treetop trekking. Oh. I just bought that for, well, not season's tickets, but just a treetop trekking thing for my wife for her birthday. See? See, there you go. I like the way that this works. Like, you're gardening, you're planting things. They grow into plants. Plants grow into trees. Treetop trekking. Yes. I got tickets for treetop trekking. For your wife for her birthday. Are you going to go? Oh, yeah. I'm going to put her down the zip line. Um, I, (laughs) I was not planting. I touch things and they die. I was mm. the one that was hooking up the chain to a bush that I don't like, hooked it up to the back of the Jeep, put it in four-wheel drive, and hit the gas. Perfect. So there's a nice big done. hole in our garden. <laughs> and it was so nice. That's you gardening? That's me gardening. <laughs> the best part was we ripped it out, and then our neighbor, who's like an avid gardener, walks over, found two pieces of cardboard. I think they were like ripped up pizza boxes. And he put like a 9.0, 9.1, and he walks over holding like these score cards. <laughs> oh, nice. Because how amazing things look when I ripped out that bush i was so happy wonderful wonderful yeah i haven't gotten too much gardening done although i did plant uh rhubarb i got oh, a, nice. i got a rhubarb oh. root this year okay because i've good. tried doing it from seed i've tried doing it from a little seedling plant and it's never worked out so i got an actual root from a farm and it's like this big so i buried that and i'm hoping for better success good test. Awesome. like you somewhat the same note the other day um, we cut into a tomato that had been sitting on the counter, and I was like, yeah. this tomato's been here for a long time, but it looks really good. Mm. So we cut into it, and it had sprouted on the inside. inside. Yeah. I've seen that before. That's yep. neat. Is that... Is it that can, we, can, can you just plant that? Like sure. I, I didn't. I yeah. thought, oh, this or is an them. alien tomato. If you, I just, <laughs> but if you think about it, I mean, if you've got tomatoes that fall off the vine and they hit the ground, the whole point is that as it decays, it creates food for the seeds within it. Felt weird to me because it looked so good on the outside and it was rotting on the inside. So I've I had a green pepper growing inside a green pepper. That was I've fun. had that. That's but cool. I actually sprout seeds and eat the sprouts. So because they're good for you, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So. Hey. So there you go. 
So that's our gardening minute, folks. <laughs> we started Tech TV with the gardening with the gar- minute. The gardening so, minute. Uh, let's get over to tech. Um, NemsLinux.com. This is my distro on a yes. Raspberry Pi, and it's been going smashingly well, I might say. And I appreciate everybody who's using it. It's really cool because it's. Uh, I've seen this thing grow, and I'm watching the kind of the the growth curve, and it's always going up and up. Um, but we're in the process, in the middle of the 1.4 release cycle right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was meant to be released earlier this week. I put a delay on it because I decided that we're going to drop Check MK and we're going to go with Adagios, um, which, if that makes sense to you, I want to send you like a shirt or something. <laughs> but essentially, like a, a big decision at the last minute to change the way that it operates. And so I've been just going crazy coding this thing. I've been compiling. watching your posts. It's painful to watch. Compiling on a Raspberry Pi. Because I, I was committed to bringing this to the Raspberry Pi. It's yeah. also coming to AMD64. It's coming to, uh, to various platforms. I'm hoping to bring it out as an OVA as well, so you can deploy it as a virtual appliance. Um, but I was committed to bringing it out on the Raspberry Pi, because that's kind of our base right. platform so slow to compile (laughs) like you're sitting looking for four hours while the os compiles just to know whether or not it worked right so and i've come close good i say 99.9999 percent that's that's great yes yes it's a lot of fun though i'm having so much fun like i enjoy tinkering but this is i'm building the software to run a raspberry pi as a server in an enterprise environment so if you're not familiar with Nagios, head on over to nemslinux.com, just like it sounds, N-E-M-S. It, sounds, it stands for Nagios Enterprise Monitoring Server. So what it does is it kind of, I mean, it can do so many things, but it can keep track of your, your hardware. So oh, okay. if a hard drive in your server is going to crash or if it's full and you need to know about it, you don't have to check it. It will email you or SMS you and let you know. That's awesome, actually. Yeah, it's Super really, helpful. It's really cool. And mm-hmm. the fact that it runs on a Raspberry Pi, a little microcomputer that you can stick in the server room or wherever you want to put it, doesn't generate a lot of heat, doesn't, gener- doesn't use a lot of electricity, and it works really, really well. So check out nemslinux.com. That's what I've been up to. That's the tech minute. I think there's After probably the more tech tonight, too. Maybe. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah, like an entire hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Category 5 shirts are still available. We're going to keep them going. Teespring is uh, amazing. They've, been, they've just been re-rolling the promotion. Uh, so when it ends, they print and, s- and send out the shirts, and then they do another promotion. So, uh, so that's been working out really well. We appreciate everyone who has bought uh, a T-shirt so far. Head on over to cat5.tv slash shirts. It's a way to brand yourself as uh, a really awesome person person uh, to wear a Category 5 technology TV shirt. It is I think that's fair truth. to say. It is. Yes, that's fair. Um, <laughs> I would say I support that statement. But you can send us a picture of you wearing that shirt. We would love that. We would. Sasha is standing by, waiting for your pictures. At contest at Category5.tv. So... We have a limited amount of Dead Effect 2 VR games left available, but mm-hmm. you still can win. And you win by emailing, again, contact, contest at category5.tv. Now, tell us who you are, um, where you're watching from, how you're watching, you know, just send us a picture of you in a shirt, really. <laughs> <laughs> that works. That yeah. works. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And if you're not really interested in sending a shirt picture, you can check us out on the Google Play. 
the we, Google we Play. We are on the Google Play. You can check yeah, us Google. out. So it is category5.tv slash subscribe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good times. All right. Well, we've got to take a really quick break, but um, when we come back, we're going to be talking about e-paper and saving the earth one e-paper tablet at a time, Jeff. I almost feel like that's an incompatible statement, e-paper. We'll find out. Stick around. For a limited time, get your hands on limited edition shirts from the Category 5 TV network. These high-quality shirts are manufactured by Teespring, a fundraising website, and your purchase will help support the shows we produce. Get yours today and send us your pictures to be featured on the corresponding show. Visit cat5.tv shirts to support us and get your official network shirt today. cat5.tv shirts. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 557. That means there are 557 weeks of this thing. So if you enjoy the show, get over to our website, category5.tv. You can catch uh, back episodes, back seasons. You can download them as uh, BitTorrent files. You can get entire seasons all the way back to season one when I was staring at a webcam. Scary stuff back In my basement. When you look at technology nowadays. You know what? what? It's cool to see the development. Oh, like, yeah. It's so oh, for sure. neat. Even just when I started, which was, I think, season five mm-hmm. to so, now. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's come a lot has changed. leaps and bounds. Yeah. What I enjoy the most is not so much the advancement of the way that it's filmed and the show's put together. I enjoy the way that the topic, topics have changed. Sure. Like, I think back to the beginning and some of the stuff you covered, it was very basic because you were just getting started. And now it's like the sky's the limit. And part of that is because the world of tech has changed. Right. But it's mm-hmm. neat, the stuff we cover now. And that I like viewing that. I always try to keep things fresh. And sometimes we go back to old things because they've been revamped. Right. Like the software has gotten better. The hardware has been improved. You know, we'll look at Plex on a Raspberry Pi 2. And then... Plex on a Raspberry Pi 3B plus, right? You know, so it, over a couple of years, things change, and so we want to bring it back. So that's why sometimes we readdress some of those topics. But mm-hmm. yeah, it has been a lot of fun over uh, the past ten years, almost eleven years. That's true. <sighs> haven't had a break, folks. Haven't had a break. <laughs> that's not true. There, you took a week there off. Was two, two weeks. There was, I was going to say there was two <laughs> weeks you were gone. One you actually sat there in the audience, yeah, made and sure that everything went to make over. Make sure we okay. didn't blow it up, and then yeah. one week you just didn't show. I'm I just up. Didn't show up. I'm up because I know that I know that you're going to take another vacation week. Oh yeah, is that happening? I don't I'm know. sure. So what's happening? Are you? Guys, I'm up for doing are you it. Gonna I'm, uh, can you handle? The the new way that we do things around here. I think With we me can do sausage this. fingers. Yeah. You know what so I think? So like we if do? I wanted to zoom over to you, it's like that. Or if I want to just jump over to me, it's like that. Right. And Sasha, hey, you wanted to say something? Yes, I wanted to say. Remember how the the whole community Well yes, yes, yes I do. The yeah. whole community okay. <laughs> the whole community got together and, and did the whole build for the computer for Dave. Yeah. Yes. Right? Well I feel like the whole community should probably help us like set the schedule for the show. We Oh. Can, they can help us with the topics oh. and stuff. I, think I feel it like that would go fun. really badly. I think it would go really well. <laughs> I could just challenge accepted. <laughs> I could see some really advanced topics coming forward. Going, I would like to see Sasha 
explain this one. I can tell you some things. I can tell you that I know how to do, do something with an array. I don't know exactly because I've been. <laughs> I know wait. how to do something. I wait. Hold on. Oh, in encoding. Yes. Oh, this. So these are topic ideas, folks. Yes. Okay. So I've. Tonight we're going to be learning something about an array. Okay, <laughs> right. guys. I thought we were supposed to be talking about e-paper. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. We're getting to that. We're getting. Oh, to that. sorry. That's the build-up, the anticipation. Yeah. Right. So I have been. Now I just have to. Okay. So I downloaded an app and it's called Grasshopper and I will tell you more about it later, but I'm learning how to code and I realize that I've been on Cat5 for like five years and, but I'm actually learning how to do it myself right now. Nice. Very good. So I'll walk you through it eventually. Maybe when Robbie's away. So. Very good Grasshopper. Yeah. The foo says you should show people how to set up containers in a Raspberry Pi. Ooh. Oh. You know she's picturing a Tupperware case <laughs> no, I'm, a Raspberry Pi right now. I'm sure I'm sure I can I'm sure I can get on that. And then the with Sasha. And then gardening with Jeff. Let's actually move on to e paper. Yes. Let's yes. T- let's talk about e paper and okay. why e paper is actually possibly a good thing. Okay. But it, possibly. Yeah. Because people say to me, Well, why do you need e paper? I mean, come on. Those things, you know, Marshman, I heard your, your, your complaints about it, and I understand, and I, and I totally hear you. They just are another piece of electronics to end up in the landfill when they stop working. Okay. Whereas paper biodegrades and, and this and, you know, true, true. True, actually, yes. Okay. I, I How, feel like you're going to try and convince us otherwise. I don't I'm not, I'm not here to convince anyone anything. I'm here to share my story. Right. And then you make the decision based on <laughs> your own story. <laughs> Jeff, let's, let's, do you want to, do you want to role play or do you want to? Sure. Okay, give me a call. This is, this is me at work, at, in my business, okay? Hello. Oh, hi, how are you? Good, and you? Good, good. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch your first name. My name is me. 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 Uh, that's a, an interesting name. Where are you from? Uh, from here. Okay. Yeah, from here. Me from here. Okay, yes. so I've, I've made a note now so that as the conversation is going on, because I want to be a personable salesperson and, and I don't want to be just another salesperson, so I'm referring to you as me. Yes. And from here and, and you know, how's the weather here and, and you know, <laughs> these kinds. So having these discussions and so I'm taking notes with every phone call. Every, and I take a lot of phone calls. So as the call comes in, I'm taking quick little scratch notes. Right. Those scratch notes are one-off stuff that I don't need to keep, that I don't right. need to use, that I don't need to take, you know, scan into my computer or anything like that. They're just one-off things so that I can be a better salesperson, so that I can be a better, and right. when I say that, not to be salesy, but to be... Uh, personable. To be more personable because yeah. I want to be that person that is that I genuinely care about you calling me about your needs. Right. So I want to I want you to feel that hey, I care. All the time. I go through notepad after notepad at work me too. Me too. of important information in the moment that I need yeah. to refer back to. But then, but then I have to shred it because I work at a clinic and it's patient mm-hmm. confident. Like if there's a name on it, it's confidential. I need to shred it. So not only am I wasting paper, but I'm also, mm-hmm. you know, spending time shredding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so here's my scenario. So I, I do this and I, and I scratch these notes and then I take another call and I scratch more notes and then I take another call and I got more paper and I'm scratching these notes. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, you know, it's... it's 
10 minutes past the end of my shift. I'm still on the phone. Phone calls over. And thanks, have a nice day. And I'm out the door and, you know, cash out and go. Right. Mm -hmm. Then the next day, I'm adding more notes, adding more notes. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this stack is like this. I don't know whether any of that is important. So now... Okay, I'm going to just, I, I, phone's ringing. I got to keep going. I got to keep going, right? It's taking more notes, taking more notes. Stack's getting bigger. Finally, I get around to going through and I realize, wow, all this stuff is just one-off scratch notes. So I don't need any of this. I'm going through, oh, here's a paper that I do need. Right. And going through the stack and I just wasted maybe an hour or more. Okay. Right. Doing that. But then I've got a stack of paper like this. Right. So under my desk, I keep a box. So I'm doing this as to actually test the theory under my desk i keep a box for recyclables okay. for shred and that box is entirely full after just six months right okay entirely full so you're talking a heavy box that's full of eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper right that is just scratch notes just scratch notes all okay. of which are recyclable though all of which are recyclable but it's now a box i mean, I mean yeah. The environmental impact, sure. Fair enough. Right? Yes. Right. But really, it, it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And now I'm back to building up, building up, building up. Now right. this is under the desk. Building up, building up. Okay, so let's put a stop to that. Let's this get some e-paper. This is e building up to I something. was just thinking the yeah. same thing. <laughs> so let's get some e-paper. So I picked up two e-paper tablets. Okay. To test. Right. And my theory was, okay, if I have a small pocket one, I can put this in my shirt pocket at work and I can take this to my meetings and I can scratch notes at my meetings. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's how much you pay attention to your meetings? Tiny little That's attention? That's what I was thinking. Oh, for sure. Tiny attention in the meetings. No, I have a, an amazing memory if I just scratch notes. My scratch oh, notes good. are just a bullet point and that's a, an entire paragraph. He's a okay? genius. This is no, why. No, no. But, okay. but that yes. works. Okay. Kay. So this one... I keep on my desk beside my phone. Now, I've been doing that for about two weeks now. Okay. I have no paper on my desk. None. Right. Not a one. Right. Because when I finish my notes. Yes. And then the call is complete. I push the button and it's clear. I'm getting myself one of these. Absolutely. Okay. And here's why. Okay. I just went for a team building in, um, night yep. at an escape room, and they had one of these in the escape room, and I was the note taker. Um, and so when you were finding out, you know, clues and codes and trying to decipher things, I was using it. And then when we figured out that step, I would clear it and then yep. start again. Right. And because I you loved need, it. You and don't I need those notes anymore. Right. Somebody said to me, "Well, okay, so you're taking these phone notes." Right. How do you now transfer that to the computer? How do you now do something with that? And I said, I don't need to. No. These are my scratch notes. Now, at the end of the day, I look over it and I see all these and, and I scratch things out because it, it works with my fingernails. So let's actually jump in here so that I can, I can show you this. Uh, let's see. I've got a camera over here that will give you a little bit of a better view. So I can take my notes here and I can actually scratch them out with my finger. So if I've got a note, I can cross it off like that with my finger, nice and easy. I don't even have to get the stylus out. Right. Okay? And then to clear it, I just hit the button, and now it's a clear tablet. So if I'm taking my notes, so I've got my notes here, and then at the end of the day, I've got maybe one mm -hmm. that is not scratched out, so I clear it, and then I rewrite that one at the top of the list. Right. So I've got a note here that says, Jeff, call. And 
now I know tomorrow that that's the first thing that I need to do. Right. And then when I'm done that, so this thing gets full, full, full by the end of the day, and then I push that button, and it's clear again. It seems like such a simple thing, but it actually works. Need I remind you, sits on my desk beside my phone, not a single piece of note paper. Right, okay. Does so this one work similarly? You have the two different yes. sizes, mm-hmm. one for your pocket, one for your desk. Yep. Have you found that one is more usable over the other? Okay, so here are a couple of things that I've learned and things that I would look out for as you're shopping. Now, we do carry these, and I've got a, a selection in our shop. If you go to cat5.tv slash e-paper, um, you'll be able to check them out. But here's what I would show you. This one is a little bit larger, and it has one feature that the little one does not. Size? Size, the Also the stylus? Watch this. So, no, they both have a stylus. Oh, so okay. They all come with a stylus. I and didn't see the stylus. Oh, there that's you fancy. Are. So it's, it's held in there. Fancy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to write away. So here's, these are incredible notes. I can't write upside down. That's what it is. Now it's watch. Like medical script. I'm going to push the button. Ready? It's not working, right? Right. Because this one has data lock. So that I can't accidentally bump that because there's a little tiny switch right here that I can trip at the beginning of the day just to make sure that I don't accidentally bump that button. Now, at the end of the day, I can flip that switch, hit clear, and it does it. Okay. This one here, this one does not have a lock button. So no matter what, if you accidentally hit that button, which I have done because this is meant to go in my pocket, it's not ideal. So you definitely want to be more careful with this one. This one's got... um, the lock. So I'm not kidding. This would be super, super helpful at work. At work. It's perfect. Right. Oh I, yeah. Well, I people can't. come in and they start talking to you and you just jot down boom, 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 boom. Or, right. or they're coming up, they're approaching and you say to the, your coworker, Oh, what's her name again? Oh, Lucy. Right. Lucy. Exactly. And then it's just sitting on your desk. Oh, hi, Lucy. Right. Usually again, trying yeah. to build customer service and rapport. Exactly. And yeah. usually it's things that I don't need long term. So I usually end up writing something and then when it's done, I just scratch it out. Yeah. And now you can now clear, can it, clear no it. No paper la- that is needed. I'm with but you. That is the thing. So f- for myself I- with my job. Yeah. I can't have short term paper. Well, that's not true. I could. I'm but sure that a lot of my notes. Yeah. Even if it's just a simple phone call goes into a file for long-term information. Your government. So this would be totally useless for me mm-hmm. unless there is the ability to download it, which right. these don't have, correct? That's right. That's right. Okay. So for long-term use, not such a great option. But for short-term It's use, not what it's for at all. Um, so with this, so I scratch things in, and yep. if there's anything that I still need, so after a meeting, for example, these are my notes. So these are my scratch notes, and then I sit down. The very first thing I do when I sit at my desk is I set that down, and I type out the long form of my scratch notes. Right. And I email them to the person I had the meeting with. Right. And I say, thanks for meeting with me. Here are my notes. These are the things that we discussed. These are the things that we're, we're going to be doing. And this is what I need from you. This is what you need from me. And then clear. Right. Done. Hmm. Right. So, and there are scenarios where this is not ideal, of course. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Of course. But for me, and in this, in again, in my environment, it works perfectly. Um, so I'm really, really pleased with it. It has served its purpose. Um, if 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 it's not clearing, they do have a small battery in it, like a like a uh, watch right. battery. Some of them have watch batteries. Some of them have like a CR two twenty thirty two. So you just have to change that battery. And it will still work even without batteries, but it will not clear 
if it doesn't have batteries. Right. Okay. I want right. to just see something here because sure. I have a camera on my phone. So th there is no um, ability to plug this into a computer or Wi-Fi for printing purposes, correct? Correct. Because so Nothing like that. It's so strictly okay, e-tape. It's so right on it. Wondering clear that. it. Right on it. Clear it. Okay. I want to see. You're, you've drawn a wonderful I've, picture there, Sasha. I am an artist. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I'm going to be really clear with this because it's a question that I see as kind of an FAQ on Amazon. They are not at all illuminated. Okay? Okay. So you cannot, just like normal paper, you can't use them in the dark. It doesn't work. Right. Okay, but if you do take a picture and you want to use it. You can use OCR. You can just take a picture. And yeah, just email yourself. Yeah, Perfect. it worked Perfect. fine. So okay. if you can get you can get these. They're only fifteen bucks to maybe twenty five bucks for bigger, Smart better bug. ones. Yeah, they're cheap. Um, and you can get them at cat5.tv/epaper. I think in in my case, absolutely worth the fifteen dollars that this oh, costs. Oh, sure. Because now my desk looks neater. I feel better. I feel decluttered, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel more organized. Right. Yes. So it's a good thing. I like it. Now, is, uh, maybe you don't know the answer to this, but is it made of recyclable components? Like, does it say on it? Doesn't. Jeff, that's a hard one because is now it? this is like PVC plastic. Okay, so. So this would be shred? Yes, that would be. Yeah, so it can be recycled. Okay. Um, the inner components, I don't know what they are. I yeah. haven't taken one apart. Uh, there's steel screws. Um, the See, battery, of course, you can take out. And for me right there, I'm going, all right, now it's a no-brainer because... It's one thing if you make something to get rid of paper, like, hey, you don't need all the paper waste. But by the way, this is totally non-recyclable, and it's going to take a billion years, and it's going to ruin the earth. That's probably but, not the case yeah, here. <laughs> but, but, you know, looking at the fact that, you know, this is, you know, there are some recyclable components. To sure. Going, Great. So even if it does die, you know, it goes in the recycling, and you're not ruining the environment that way. So that's but great. nine times out of ten, change the battery, and it's back to life, Jeff. Right. That's mm -hmm. true. Yeah. Good times. I like it. There you go, folks. We're going to be uh, right back. When we come back, we've got a camera for you that is PTZ, pan, tilt, and zoom. IP camera with OnVIF, with optical zoom, all this stuff going on for it. We're going to show you that in just a couple of moments' time. But here's the thing, the kicker, it's only 200 bucks. <laughs> Stick around. Whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit Category5.tv slash partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners, and thank you for watching. It's all about the PTZ for you and me. The putza. The putza. How long have you been sitting on that one? About two seconds before I said it. <laughs> Came out and I'm going, The should PTZ? I... Yeah, you know me. Should I have the said PTZ? this? Yeah, anyway. you know me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, uh, we've we already covered the tablet. Now we're talking about the PTZ camera. Oh. And this camera, it's been sitting in the studio for a while It has now. been here. Um, sometimes we don't always get to review something right away. Right. 
But here it is. It's from Wands Cam, and this came to us um, uh, a little while ago. And we've been using it because it has an intervalometer feature that automatically uploads a picture every moment or right. whatever uh, to an FTP server. So that's one of the beautiful features of it. Yeah. And so we've been using it to post pictures on our website automatically during a live show. Mm-hmm. But we finally wanted to actually review it and show it to you. So this is a... Ooh, it's metal. It's metal. It is explosion proof. It really? is. It is tamper proof and vandal proof. Huh. I suppose someone could spray paint it, but I mean, it is. <laughs> it's, it's. They're getting it done. It's. It's. And a, it's wireless. It, it does have wireless. Other than um, you're going to need power. Right. So, it hangs normally like this on a wall. Right. And it can be outside or inside, but it is waterproof and it is weatherproof and everything else. And it's only $200. Now, when you look at a PTZ camera, so when we say PTZ, it is really good. I mean, you think about it, okay, this is a 1080p camera. Right. When you think about that, it's in a metal body, it's cool, you can set it up and set it and forget it, and it's 200 bucks, that's a great deal. If you look at the price of a good metal chassis uh, surveillance camera, for example, you're going to probably pay $150 to $200 just for that. Right. This, being PTZ, means pan, tilt, and zoom. So in software, you can control where the camera's looking. You can zoom in on things. Right. So it's perfect for surveillance, but it's also great for things like um, if you just want to set up a shot and zoom in on something and then Mm. let it take pictures, that kind of thing. Like as a webcam, it's fantastic. Yes. Like the craziest webcam ever. Should we take a look? Yes. Yes. All right. So... I mentioned it does need power. A um, couple of things that right off the bat are important to note. It does not support PoE out of the box. Okay? So okay. Power, it, but it does have Ethernet. This is something that is not in the specifications. It has Wi-Fi, but it also supports Ethernet. So okay. if you're looking at it and you wonder, oh, I don't want to use Wi-Fi for this. I want to actually hardwire it. Can I do that? Yes. It has an inline Ethernet port. So that's what we're using Beautiful. tonight to try it. Um, and it has a 12-volt power input. So being that there is a 12-volt okay. power input right next to the Ethernet, even though it does not support power over Ethernet, you can buy little adapters. So we tried that. So we picked up a couple of adapters that were for surveillance camera power over Ethernet. Mm -hmm. Exactly the same kind of thing. It has an Ethernet and it splits out into power. Mm -hmm. But it didn't fit. Oh. Okay. But we were able to pump 12 volts through it, but it didn't fit. So we headed over to the local um, electronics center that is kind of like the Radio Shack of days gone by. um, And they sell everything. So... um, we found the jack okay. and the plug. And so we created, uh, w- with my new soldering iron, um, we created an adapter that now adapted that power over Ethernet with right. a little three-inch cable okay. to fit into the Wandscam cameras. Ah. And it works. So we have established, we've created power over Ethernet for it for just a couple of bucks. And that's perfect. So just make sure though, if you do that, because power over Ethernet can be like 48 volts, you want to make sure that you don't accidentally plug it into a 48 volt port because you're going to be throwing 48 volts into that. And I don't know what that's going to do. Right. It's a 12 volt camera, uh, two amp. 
So right. we're just using a, a, a standard wall wart power adapter, sending that through the Ethernet cable and splitting it out at the end, and there you go. Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. So specification-wise, it's plug-and-play. So I plugged it in tonight uh, thinking I was going to have to do some setup, and I didn't. It just it worked. The router okay. found it, DHCP, gave it an IP address, and I was like, whoa, I can actually do this. Now, what if you've got a password-protected Oh, Wi-Fi. you will. Oh, well, to set it up on Wi-Fi, yes, you would. Oh, okay, gotcha. But it does support, like, uh, like Wi-Fi automatic detection and things. Gotcha, like, okay. So you can do, right. like, uh, what do you call that, the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi? I don't know. What's the button on your router called? Sync? No. We'll go with that, though. <laughs> Somebody in the chat will, f- will fill us in on what that's called. Uh, it's got 1080p video, but it is, uh, and it's up to 25 frames a second, but it has three simultaneous feeds coming out of it at all times. So Three. Three. So 1080p, and then you can set the other two resolutions to lower resolution. And that's pretty typical of an IP camera, so that you can use a low resolution for, say, surveillance, and then a high resolution for video broadcasting or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, so it goes up to 1080p, and then you've got two other uh, resolutions to deal with as well. Um, It has a 2.8 to 12 millimeter lens for our photography fans out there uh, with five times optical zoom. Um, Let's actually get in on this so that you can see it a little bit better. There you go. So this is what she looks like. Um, And that is optical zoom lens, which is exactly what you need. Because with um, digital zoom, it's going to be very grainy. This is what you see when when somebody breaks into a local shop. And then the police post on their Twitter account, here's a picture of the person, and it's just a bunch of blocks, and you can't understand what you're looking at. Right. That's because they've used digital zoom. Now, this is optical zoom. So you can get in there five times. It's like a telescope, right? Right. So it's very, very clear, crystal clear, in fact full 1080p even zoomed in and so it no longer looks like steve from minecraft was the one who robbed your store (laughs) there you go Uh, at least then you could track him down that's right yeah Uh, as jeff mentioned it's got 802.11 and it's um, b g n wireless oh it is n yeah so if you want to plug if you want to just set it up and just power it from an outlet you can use wi-fi to to do it so you don't have to run any cables to it or anything just uh you know plug it into an outlet and you're good to go okay um it has night vision as you can see that was my biggest question yeah i've had night vision yes so there it is i know we're a little bit out of focus this is autofocus on this camera uh i'm going to just cover the night vision sensor and you can see that uh the night vision um, LEDs have come on, so there are six high-powered LEDs, and they're quick to come on, quick to turn off, um, and that works really well as well. Right. So when the lights are off, it automatically turns those those on and switches to night vision. What huh. is the range for night vision? Do you know? That I do not know. Okay. Specifications will probably be online, but um, in any room that I've plugged it into, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, as far as field of view perfect. Um, Once you get out around the edges, you start to get some vignetting. Obviously, you're not going to have the LEDs pumping out on the edges, right? Right. Uh, but but it works really well in the uh, in the line of sight, at least. So that's good because I know security cameras that I've installed in the past that have night vision. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, it's good for like 30 feet, but 30 feet out you can't really see anything it's like god did i just see a ghost maybe i don't know yeah uh, you know and it's unless useless you, when it's like that yeah exactly yeah. unless you get with like within five feet of it and then the body glows mm-hmm. because just that sensor isn't quite right and that's been mm-hmm. on cheaper night vision cameras so uh, that's that's exciting that you got a good quality camera with a nice mm-hmm. night vision absolutely and and another nice feature jeff um 
you think about okay, well, what happens if internet goes down? Mm-hmm. Uh, what if the what if it loses connection to the Wi-Fi or the Ethernet? Right. What happens? Um, it has a built-in SD card reader, but oh, it's okay. it's hidden within the unit, so you can't actually oh. access it. It's like somebody couldn't go up to the camera and take and the SD it, card yeah. out. No, they, they, you have to take it apart to get to the SD card reader. Very so then nice. you think, oh, well, that's a lot of work to put an SD card in. It supports up to 128 gigs. So what they've done is they've included a 16 gig card in there. So it's already ready. So you can set it to automatically record to the card or automatically take a picture every five seconds and it will automatically save that to the SD card and then roll them over so that if something happened, you can just access them through your browser or unplug the camera and take the SD card out and you're good. Right. Right. So I just noticed in this, this is what I love about the chat room. We're talking in the show and people in the chat room are like, oh, I'm going to get this over here. Oh, yeah. So it's 80 meters infrared. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. That's really, That's really impressive. good. It's, this is impressive all around. Like, when I say this is only $200, if you look at PTZ cameras of this grade, um, you can pay upwards of 1200 to, to oh, 2000 yeah. yeah. Usually you're in around the, the $1,500 yeah. range for that kind of thing. Um, so that's why I'm just kind of going through. I'm going through the bullet list of mm-hmm. features so that you understand how cool this is. Um, pan, 355 degrees. Tilt, 90 degrees. So that's like... Mm-hmm. All the way up, mm-hmm. down, okay, uh, and then 200 and uh, or 355 degrees pan. Um, I mentioned it's waterproof. I mentioned OnVIF support. Now that's important. That's the Open Network Video Interface Forum. Yes, they created a protocol to um, to make it so that cameras. It was like a a spec for cameras to be able to communicate with hardware. Mm-hmm. Right. So what it means to us is that with OnVIF. Because this camera supports it, as soon as you plug it into your network, your DVR will see it if you have oh, an OnVIF compliant okay. DVR. Um, if you want to install an OnVIF com- compatible app on your phone, you can actually bring up the camera and control the PTZ through your phone, through, an- through any OnVIF app. That's the thing. Really? It's, not, it's not proprietary. So you, you're not having to look at this and say, oh, it's, it's huh. a Chinese camera and we're, we're not going to be able to find the right software for it. No, no, no. It supports OnVIF. So right. that means it's open. So you can use any OnVIF compatible software. Right. That's awesome. Yes. Cool. All right. But uh, can it make I, you breakfast? Just wait. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait. No. Oh. But oh. when I'm talking about OnVIF, it can even connect to Telestream Wirecast. Okay, because oh, Telestream really? Wirecast, yeah, because it uses OnVIF. Now, there is latency, so you're not going to use it as a, a live cam, per se. But if I just kind of set that right here, and I just switch over like this, so then I'm actually looking, and you can see there is latency there, but we can see this is what the camera is. Now, I'm using right. uh, a lower bit rate here. There you go. So there it is. And we're going to take a, a real look at this I feel at, like at we're like the operates. Beastie Boys or something. <laughs> yeah, that's our album cover right there, folks. Take a screenshot. Um, if you don't have a server for people to be able to use as a webcam, it can support up to six simultaneous connections. Okay. Um, so that also means six apps, six different computers connecting to it and streaming. Right. And so you don't have to have like a, a big server environment or anything to use it. Is there a microphone? Did I miss that? I don't know if there is. Now, I've seen that there are audio settings, but I've never got audio out of it. Okay. Personally. I truly feel like if you are the sort of person who does a lot of ordering on, you know, Amazon, Mm -hmm. any of our partner links, and you get things delivered to your house, this should be one of the things that you buy because I feel like if you had it set up, then you would at least have a picture of something. Then you can see what's going on. Awry. Absolutely. Should we take a look at the interface? Yes. Okay. So this is what we see. Now, the, the camera 
is on my IP, it's on my IP block because it got DHCP from my DHCP server. So I just got that by logging into my router. Now, uh, out of the box, I'm going to type admin, admin to connect. Pretty standard. Yeah. And it does nothing. Nothing. Because I'm in Chrome, so uh, I need to allow Flash to run here. So, oh, okay, so it's, it's Flash-based. Uh, no, it's not Flash-based, but the web interface, in order to see the camera, is using a Flash media player. So oh, okay. add my IP address, 192.168.0.109, and add that. So now if I jump back here and refresh... Ooh, look at that. Yeah, there you go. So now, if you look, can you see my mouse cursor over here? So I can actually control the camera like this. Now, I've got it sitting in an odd spot. Because, because it's meant to be hanging on a wall. It's right. not meant to be sitting on its butt. So when I click on right, it's actually kind of tilting instead of turning. Uh, but let's actually, I'm going to show you what that, uh, what that looks like. So as I'm clicking around in the software here, I'm just going to click on the automatic calibrate so that you can see the motors actually moving this camera around. Okay. Okay. And it's also automatically zooming in and out and things like that. I'm going to show you that in a moment. Let's bring this back over here and jump back to our. Let's see. G. There we go. So this is now in the in the software. Huh. Yeah. Okay. I feel like there is no reason why Dave's not getting this for Christmas. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, so this is an expensive show for me. This is a very expensive show. How dare I show you all these really cool things, right? So it looks great. There is a latency there on Telestream Wirecast, um, but it is, uh, it, or at least I'm going on VIF to the web browser, my mistake, uh, to switch right over to Telestream Wirecast looks like this. So this is directly on VIF over the Ethernet to Telestream Wirecast. Right. This is on VIF to my laptop. So I currently have two simultaneous connections. Uh, okay, so quickly through the settings because I am conscious of time, but I'm going to jump into the settings so that I can show you because one of the things about these kinds of devices is you get onto these websites like uh, GearBest and you look at the, the device and there's not really good information necessarily right. available mm -hmm. and they're not made here in the United States of America, so you can't really get that information from... Yeah. So I'm going to show you what this is like. Okay. So jumping over to the interface, first screen, I see that there is an SD card inserted, and it is 16 gigs. I can format that. This came with it. I did not install this. Uh, now let's go into um, time set. I can set my time zone to NTP, so I can choose an NTP server, which means it's going to automatically set the clock based on the time zone that I select. So I'm going to select Eastern Time, and I'm going to use, um, let's try time.nist.gov, automatically adjust clock. Um, what time have we got right now? The clock is actually, it's already correct. So I'm going to hit apply. So is that just picking it up off your network time? It may, because I do see uh, an option um, sync with PC time, but okay. I didn't click on that. Um, but it's possible that it came set 
properly. I, but yes, now I've got it set to NTP, so it's going to get it off the internet. Going to video settings, this is where you can see the three different profiles that I was talking about. First profile, resolution is 1920 by 1080 uh, is the default, and you can go down to 720p. Bit rate was defaulted to like 6,000. I turned it down for tonight's demonstration because I didn't want to be maxing out our internal bandwidth. Uh, frame rate, now they set up to 25, but I see up to 30. Ooh. Hello! Um, so that's good. I will definitely, I, I will just set that. Why not? Uh, okay, keyframe interval 60. I'm going to leave that as is. Constant bit rate or variable bit rate. Variable bit rate is going to, uh, if there's not a lot of motion, it's going to use less bandwidth. So leave that active unless you want every single frame to be constant. You can go CBR. Uh, that's what that means. Video code quality. The smaller the value, the better the image quality, lower flow, uh, larger flow control. So if you're having trouble with the stream, Maybe you want to increase the compression so that it's a smaller stream and not using as much bandwidth. Second stream, you can go 640 by 352, 320 by 176, or D1 or CIF, which are standards used by your DVRs for surveillance purposes. And again, that does look like it goes up to 30 frames a second, and you can set the variable bit rate. Now, the third stream is not letting me set the resolution. It's set hard to 320 by 176. Great for little thumbnails, or if you just want to keep an eye on things on your phone and use very little bandwidth. That's cool. Uh, on-screen display time, on-screen camera name, and what I want the camera name to be. So if you look at the camera here, I'm going to jump back to Telestream Wirecast. You see IP camera up at the top left. So I'm going to turn off on-screen display time and on-screen display name. Uh, so I've just unchecked those, and then I'm going to click on Apply. So if I jump back here to the camera, hit Apply. Let's see if, oh, and it says frame rates. Oh, it does say the frame rate is over 25. So it is, in fact, hard set to 25. So let's fix okay. that. Good to know, right? I mean, we saw it there. Don't want to make the assumption. Okay, so now apply and jump back to our camera. And you see oh, that it's God. now clean Perfect. output. How do you like that, right? Okay, next screen here. We've got audio settings. See, Jeff? But I don't know where, audio type, G711. Now, these are um, standards for um, surveillance systems. So I guess you'd have to buy like a surveillance um, right. microphone. Okay. So these options, I don't know. I don't ever use on-camera microphones ever. Right. But um, those are the options that are there. Audio output, audio output for the third stream and second stream. Input options are line in or mic. And then you've got the volume controls as well. Good times. Record settings, I can automatically record at certain times of the day. So if I, I want to, yeah, uh, it does not look like it has motion sensing, but it will allow me to record based on a time. Now you notice too, you can choose which stream you want. So I can record at full 1080p to my SD card, or I can tune it down and use less space, get more recordings by using the second stream. Or if you're crazy and you just want a thumbnail size thing, you can do the third stream. Automatically email yourself. With pictures, it will actually take a picture and send it to you. And it has SMTP settings here. You can set the port, so that's good. Safe link. You can actually use encryption, so that's good. Looks like it'll support pretty much anything that you want to throw at it. So if you want to set up Gmail to be your SMTP server, that's good. This is what I love is the FTP intervalometer. So you can set your FTP address and username and password and tell it where you want to store it. And it will automatically upload a picture from the camera at the interval that we set in the software. 
Okay. Huh. So full 1080p picture. Boom. Up on right. the server. I love that. Uh, great. That, I should say, is perfect, not just for... Don't think about surveillance for that, but as a webcam. Yeah, Being absolutely. able to take a picture every... Tell it, take a picture every five seconds, put it on my FTP, and then just link to the latest picture every time and just have javascript or jquery refresh the image yeah, exactly. yeah. wouldn't that be cool uh all right so system log there's my log you can see that the rtm uh, to rtsp connected that's the uh onvif network settings this is where you can set whether you want dhcp or fixed ip where you want to get your IP, DNS, uh, what ports you want to use, RTSP port for the server. And remember, the server's built in. That's brilliant. Wireless, that's your Wi-Fi, Jeff. So that's where you're going to get it. Right. Uh, you can set it up here. Um, you can presumably search for nearby networks. But you're going to know your network ID. It doesn't seem to detect ours, but it may be hidden. Um, let's see. OK, DDNS, that's cool. So that means you can have like a .com and use DNS settings to automatically reroute the traffic. Cool. Uh, cruise laps, that is for PTZ um, when you first turn it on. It's going to move around through the settings, like uh, the pan tilt zoom is going to move around. How fast you want it to be, whether you want it to center after the self-check. That's what I meant. That's the self-check, uh, how many times you want it to lap. Uh, and then close the alarm while PTZ movement. That one I'm not familiar with. I don't know what that is. We can guess. Close the alarm. Maybe it has connections to the DVR or something like that. That one I don't know. Okay, user settings. Those are your users to log into the interface. You're going to want to change those. What you want to do, factory reboot, upgrade the firmware and all that kind of stuff. I've never done it. On VIF is on by default. So I was able to pull it into Telestream Wirecast, no problem. Uh, and then you can set these settings as needed. Auto snap, Sasha, this is where we tell it, hey, we want to take a picture every 60 seconds, and we want to save a picture to the FTP every sec 60 seconds or to the card. So I can set that to, to every 10 seconds, and I can upload it to FTP, just like that. Okay. And then that's it. That's it. So. There we go. So that's the interface that comes with it. Now we've got brightness controls and everything else over here. So I said that there's pan, tilt, zoom. Uh, I showed you the pan and tilt. That's exciting. But where's the zoom, right? This web browser interface, I don't see it anywhere. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to use a program called OnVIF device manager it's a free download uh, you can install it on any windows system uh, now that's just again this is just one piece of software that i've i'm using because i'm on windows you can use any onvif software um, so you see that it's already detected the camera now if i click on ptz control it's going to time out you notice that there's no picture and that's because i have not logged in with the camera's username and password so i need to up here admin Admin is the default, log in. Now, when I go to that camera, it's going to log in, and I can go PTZ control, and I'm actually going to see the oh, camera right. itself. And right. there's very little latency in that version. That's pretty cool. So I've got, I can move up and down. I can set presets over on the left-hand side here, which is great if you want to set different zones. And then, ready for it? Yep. Zoom. Ooh, look at that. Zooming in on my shoulder. Very nice shoulder, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Very TV worthy. There you go. So there's our Zoom. <laughs> now, you mentioned about doing the firmware update. One of the questions we had from the mm -hmm. chat room is uh, how often do they do firmware updates? No idea because I've never done it. Oh, okay. And it's 
worked out of the box perfectly fine for me. Um, it's operating behind my firewall, so I control whether it has outside access or not and how it accesses things. Mm -hmm. um, it supports TLS over SMTP, so Smart TLS, and so. All right. I don't, I don't know how often they release firmwares because I've never looked for one. But you can, you can search for that. But how's that for 200 bucks? That's not bad. Amazing for wow. 200 bucks. I like it. Wow, folks. It slices, it dices, it makes lasagna. It's a PTZ camera from cat5.tv slash PTZ. Yeah, you know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Sash? Yes. Cool? Very. How awesome, right? We finally I reviewed it. We finally it. reviewed it. I know. Now I want one. This is, this happens a lot. I want everything that we have here. I kind of feel like half the reviews we do are just to get Sasha to buy it. It's really that? mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun for Dave. <laughs> <laughs> VR headset? Sweet. What's Dave doing tonight? Uh, playing VR. Is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't say. I definitely know that's exactly what he's doing. That's pretty much where he lives in the alternate universe. Look at you've got your own like cameras and everything now. Oh, nice. So neat. So neat. All right. Okay. I, I know. It's time for the for It's the time. News. Here it comes. Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. Intel and Microsoft have revealed yet another specter and meltdown vulnerability. The University of Greenwich has been fined £120,000 by the Information Commissioner. Social networking giant and market-leading data broker Facebook is once again taking heat for playing fast and loose with its access to personal information. And YouTube is launching a music streaming service off Offering both videos and audio tracks in an attempt to compete with the likes of Spotify and Apple Music. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. On Monday, Intel and Microsoft disclosed a newly found variant of the Spectre and Meltdown security flaws, revealing another vulnerability in chips used in hundreds of millions of computers and mobile devices. Intel is calling the new strain Variant 4. While this latest variant taps into many of the same security vulnerabilities that were first revealed in January, it uses a different method to extract sensitive information. Spectre and Meltdown have continue to haunt companies like Intel, ARM, and AMD, which have produced chips with the flaws 
from for everything from computers and laptops to mobile devices. The vulnerabilities, which could allow attackers to read sensitive information on your CPU, affected hundreds of millions of chips from the last two decades. While companies like Intel, Apple, and Microsoft have issued updates to patch the flaws, the fixes haven't always worked as intended, sometimes causing computer problems. Hackers often scour online for vulnerabilities that will allow them to carry out attacks. The WannaCry ransomware attack, for example, took advantage of Windows computers whose owners never implemented a Microsoft patch. The newly found variant uses something called speculative store bypass, which could allow your processor to load sensitive data to potentially insecure spaces. In the U.S. certs advisory, officials said that the new flaw would enable attackers to read older memory values on your CPU. The company said that it hasn't actually seen this vulnerability, vulnerability used by hackers and that it's releasing a complete fix for the flaws in the coming weeks. Intel's Executive Vice President of Security, Leslie Culbertson, said in a post that Intel has already made the update available for manufacturers and software vendors. Don't be deceived by marketing talk, however. It looks like the patch will indeed affect performance. While Intel says that they don't expect the patch to affect computer performance, they have acknowledged that performance on the company's test systems dropped between 2 and 8% after applying the patch. The fix is designed to be turned off by default, according to Intel, and it'll be up to vendors to enable it. Hmm. It's kind of scary a little bit when you think that so many systems are vulnerable again. Still. Yeah. Still, always. I thought they fixed this. They, well, I guess yeah. they don't fix these things, it so, turns out. And they sell them with it turned off. So if you're a vendor, why would you turn it on if it's going to affect performance? Right? It should That's be... That's it. They want their computers right? to be super fast out the gate. Right. And then oh, well, you might want to enable that feature to protect yourself against this so that it's you that's making your computer 8% slower. I feel like yeah. there's going to be these legal disclaimers where, hey, buy this computer that's got these amazing speeds, and then the fine print is, if you turn off these vulner or fix these vulnerabilities, you'll actually lose 30% speed capacity or something. Yikes. Right. Yeah. You know. you, yeah, they shouldn't. It's false advertising. They shouldn't be selling an unsafe system they should if the patch is available there should be some sort of legal obligation to have it the default as on so that you're accepting responsibility if you turn it off not the other way around right but then how do you market a machine and say hey this is a slow machine but by making it insecure yeah. you could speed it up yeah get right, an eight percent that's the new turbo button folks what? turn off your protection exactly. remember when the computers had the little knob for like hyper threading i think it was where you'd like Overclocking, overclocking, that's what it was. Where you, you had a knob for overclocking? Yeah, I remember buying a computer chassis that there was a, a little knob that I could turn and I could take my CPU into, I think it was 120% over. Wow. Like I could I've never seen it as a knob. Now I had the turbo button on my old, old, old XT systems and stuff. Yeah, no, it was a little, you just turn it and then I would, I would watch the performance go up to max about 125%. Wow. So... So, do we just have to sit back and wait for patches, or is there anything that we can do to know whether or not there's vulnerability? Sasha, we are kind of at the mercy of the manufacturers. I mean, Intel has released the patches to the vendors, right. mm -hmm. but the vendors now have to create 
the patches to deploy on the system. So whether that means firmware updates where you need to actually you know patch your BIOS or whether it means Windows updates that break some things and degrade performance but at least right. protect you against this kind of a threat. And Linux is already patched against it. Um, okay, that's good. Yeah, but, but th that is the uh, thing. We're at their mercy. Like, it's not like you can just you can't grab a screwdriver and fix this. No, right. it's, a, it's an on-chip flaw. So it's scary. It really well, is. Yeah. If you let it scare you. I mean, if you're... I'd let it scare me, Jeff. Well, <laughs> it, should let, it should scare you. But if you are, like, if you are being proactive to search out these patches and these fixes and you're aware of it you take precautions to the best extent possible to protect your data uh, i mean it's just being conscious there's no need i mean right. there's if you think about it everything in in our world that's internet based could be used to compromise your security in some way or form mm -hmm. nobody is 100 percent secure so i mean you could live in fear or you could say you know what i recognize the fact that i didn't make this somebody else did and when there's a human touch, there's a flawed process to it. Right, but the part that makes me uncomfortable is the part that they're selling these chips, knowing the patch is there, knowing the protection is there, and turning it off. Giving the power to the vendors to turn it on. But how right? is that yeah. any different than an auto manufacturer who knows that there's an issue with, say... <laughs> the car will explode by default, but you if you flip the switch... <laughs> well, no, but I mean, like, if you know that there's, say, like, a, a brake vulnerability, there right. is from a um, probability standpoint, and does the auto manufacturer pay to have this recall and replace these 15 million parts or do they just let it go and pay out the insurance money so you're saying it, intel should recall intel processors no but wouldn't I mean, that be neat but i mean at some point they're going to go eh, it's just not worth it i mean you see that with windows all the time we're no longer going to support this and i think yeah. it's you, i mean i believe intel's got a list on That's chips where point. they don't support they're not even going to fix it because mm -hmm. it's just they not can't worth fix it. it no they, they can't, can't fix, fix it, it. Yeah. but it's uh, and and so that raises an interesting point in that are we going to come into this place where um, it's going to become a big issue and then all of these old processors, and they're not even old at this point, like the modern processor, are going to be not supported because it's susceptible to that. Right. Does it drive you into purchasing something new? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're always pushed to, to buy something new. Right. This is like Y2K all over again. Oh, exactly. Um, so in this case, now the new processors, the next gen processors from Intel in the next quarter of 2018, they're meant to be patched against it. I don't know if the whole line is going to be or not. Um, but right now, the best thing you can do, Sasha, is make sure that your operating system is up to date. That doesn't matter if you're on Mac, mm -hmm. Windows, Linux. Make sure you've got the latest version and all the patches. Right. Make sure that your software is up to date. Things like your web browser. You may not think, oh, I need to make sure that Chrome is the latest version. And if you do, then it is also patched mm -hmm. against Meltdown Inspector. So you want to make sure that those things are patched. All of your software is up to date. And boy, mm -hmm. what a task. That's why I love Linux. Because sudo apt upgrade enter. Done. Problem solved. Slight Linux twist. Just a little bit. All right. 
The University of Greenwich has been fined 120,000 pounds by the Information Commissioner, roughly 160,000 US, for a data breach that happened 14 years ago. The fine was for a security breach in which the personal data of 19,500 students was placed online. The data included the names, addresses, dates of birth, phone numbers, signatures, and in some cases, physical and mental health problems. It was uploaded onto a microsite for a training conference in 2004, which was then not secured or closed down. The Information Commissioner said that Greenwich was the first university to receive a fine under the Data Protection Act of 1998 and described the breach as serious. In a statement, the university said that it would not appeal against the decision. It said that it had carried out an unprecedented overhaul of its data protection and security systems since the discovery of the breach in 20. 16, and it had invested in both technology and staff. It has also said the fine would be reduced to £96,000 with a prompt payment discount. <laughs> they understand what they did was wrong. That's lovely. Whoops. What However... <laughs> what I find interesting about this is they discovered it in 2016, you said. And it was 14 years ago. That's a long data trail yeah like oh yeah who knows what it's been done with it i think it was I mean, just like it was a it was a block of information for a conference right i don't think it was extra like ninety six thousand students or something like that that's yeah. that's, that's a, a, big, a lot yeah well i'm not i, I that realize to me sounds like multiple years of student mm-hmm. yeah, information for sure right. for sure i just i wonder really about the fact that we don't know what information of ours is out there if a situation like a university Mm. has that like i went to college i went to university i right so what of my information is deleted information about my limp (laughs) right so if say say i say i did have a mental health (laughs) issue right in theory just as as a hypothetical now i'm picturing a whole new kind of identity theft (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm Robbie. <laughs> I'm Robbie. Got that limp and everything. Oh. I just, I just worry about the fact, like, what is it that we can do at this point, other than what by identity theft protection? And even in that case, yeah, really. I, like, it's is the insurance to this point where it, it is foolish? Like, I'm laughing about it, but it, it's not a laughing matter. But it is, it's gotten foolish. But how much information, like? It's, it's 2018, so people are way more security conscious about their data now than they were five years ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, 14 sure. years ago. I mean, like I was uh, looking uh, MySpace the other day. Somebody mentioned MySpace. <laughs> what? Somebody said MySpace. You were like, looking at MySpace yeah. in 2018? And I'm like, is that even still around? Is this like retro gaming to you? Uh, sort of, but then I when realized, I play Pac-Man, oh goodness, that's like, like him on MySpace. I had a MySpace account. Did you now? Back you when still? I worked in radio. DJ Robbie F had a MySpace account. Here's the crazy part. I was able to log into my account. No! All of my information what? was still there. You remembered your password? Uh, believe it or not, yes. Um, <laughs> password one, pa- two, three. I don't remember a password I sat last week. But back then in time, I had a system for passwords that apparently has stood the test of time because my <laughs> brain remembered it. It's not a super secure password. Jeff's MySpace? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> one, two, three. But anyway, uh, but I, I was thinking about that going, okay, how much information have we already put on the net that 
I can't believe I just called it the net. That's a throwback to it as well. <laughs> but how much information have we already put out that you didn't think about 15 years ago? Sure. Right. But, that, that's there's it too, yeah. but there is information that you you really wouldn't voluntarily give. For example, if there's mental health issues or physical disabilities that you didn't want, you know, disclosed. But we're looking at a, yeah. an, an internet back then that didn't have encryption and didn't right. have... Right. This is pre-Y2K. So this, this, is, is, this is like they would put it online for the staff to have access to like an intranet that is accessible from home. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, it's so right? scary. But then someone along the way forgot about it. And here we are, 2016, realizing, oh, 28. that no, but in 2016 oh, is when yeah, they gotcha. discovered it. Yeah. Um, so somebody like was like logging into MySpace in 2016, and they're like, "Oh, what other old things? Oh, there's this old intranet system, and let's check. Oh, oh, right, right. Well, and it's funny because like it, where we are right now, we're going through uh, an election for our, our, our government, and I'm thinking about. Like social media is used all the time to burn candidates. Mm. And how much information could be out there from eons ago that you don't realize? It's like, oh, I'm going to run for office. It's like, hey, did you know 23 years ago you. It's like, eh, all right. Like, the, how far back are you going to be able to claw your data if it's oh, gone yeah. now? Mm -hmm. You can't to a certain degree. I mean, all you could do is protect yourself and be smart moving forward and hope that the companies that you've entrusted your data with are not going to be sharing it with Cambridge Analytica. Right. But in this case, then, would it be beneficial to get something like identity theft insurance? Right? I don't think identity theft is the big issue. It's any, also anymore. an issue. It is an issue, but I don't think it's a big issue. I think it's the identity marketing. That's the big issue today is you are a marketed product. Mm -hmm. I'm not, as weird as it sounds, I'm not as worried about my identity theft as I am about being categorized as a commodity to be marketed to. Who I am as a person is right. a marketing item. I mean, the fact that Facebook right. has all those categories and, and people are buying me. They're mm -hmm. buying my information so that they can market to me. My, all my web access, all of my apps, everything that I do mm. that is on the internet has created a a store, so to speak. That oh, is Jeff, all you're scaring me. me, man. You said don't. I know. Yeah. This is the real, real reason why I haven't done one of those guy. DNA tests, like the 23andMe. I really, <clears throat> really. Those are flawed. I don't so. Even get me started I, no, with I know, but it's the reason things aren't secure enough yet, and I don't want to just yeah. throw my DNA out there. And anyway. we're we're in a world now that is AI mm -hmm. and machine learning, mm -hmm. and think about. And I don't. We're not going to discuss it because we're we're not getting into conspiracy theories. But if you think about what could become of this world yep. with the information that's available mm -hmm. when machine learning and AI does not sleep, right? Exactly. What's that? And we're movie? just going to move Eagle on from Eye. there. Eagle Eye. Yeah. Check that out. Blow your mind. I'm into having my mind blown. Social networking giant and market-leading data broker Facebook is once again taking heat for playing fast and loose with its access to personal information. Oh no, I thought we were done. Never. It's our weekly Facebook story. Oh. <laughs>
<laughs> this time, it's the Facebook Android app that is under the spotlight after folks noticed it, it requesting an extraordinary amount of access privileges, specifically requesting super user access to a device, granting it full control over a handheld. For Android devices, the super user classification would basically grant an app full access to the device and data stored on it. Researchers who have examined Android's code have suggested it could be due to the SDKs used by some new features. Facebook has since posted a statement saying a coding error in one of our anti-fraud systems caused a small number of people running the Facebook app and certain permissions management apps on rooted Android phones to see a request for additional access permissions. We do not need or want these permissions, and we have already fixed this issue. We apologize for any confusion. The situation is reminiscent, however, of the 2016 findings that Facebook's app was getting microphone access for the placement of ads and comes at a potentially bad time for Facebook, who is trying to regain trust of its users after the recent revelations surrounding Cambridge Analytica. Hmm. I got nothing. <laughs> like, sh- we've like, been there, done that. Yeah, it's with pro- the security talk. Right, exactly. So it was in probably the list of things of the service terms and you just agreed to it and now... You this is they, like, like super user access. Like it needs yes. access to the super user account, which means it can install things, it can delete things, it can change things, it can monitor things, it it's can do bad. everything with your system. Once you delete the app, does it s- still... Like, well, then presumably it would be gone, but... But it, if you it had super user access, it could install things in the back end. Right. But on some smartphones, like I have an Android mm-hmm. and I could not delete Facebook, the app itself. You cannot delete right. it. Can't get rid of you it. Can you can force stop it. and oh, disable, wow. but yeah. you cannot delete. So if you have granted it access at any point, I admit, mm. I am a person who just presses okay like i don't read through the 27 right. pages i just want to see jargon. robbie's posts right so i don't even have facebook anymore but at some point i did accept the terms and conditions mm-hmm. i cannot delete facebook from my phone see the app but that brings up a great idea is if at any point you can contact the company and say i no longer agree to the terms and conditions and what legal implication <laughs> would that have on them? Mm-hmm. That would be an interesting legal test to see, I no longer agree to this, right. which means they can no longer do what they wanted to do with your data. <laughs> you silently disappear. That's right. Yeah. this week? He disagreed with Facebook's licensing terms. <laughs> That's right. So he's been deleted. But I was reading this week that uh, I believe it's uh, Apple is allowing you to download everything that they have about you. Mm. They want to be transparent in light of Cambridge Analytica, perhaps. Well, and that's exactly mm-hmm. it. Could you imagine if Facebook said, we're going to release all of our information about you? Mm. People would just, their minds would explode with all of Even just data. seeing what they do give access to is mind-bending. Oh, I think and we did that on the show. We did that, yeah. an uproar. Yeah. Yeah, mm. but... Th- but not... But that's yeah, actually, we did... That's, that's yeah. That's the, yeah, that's right. the We did yeah. the, the tip of the iceberg part, mm-hmm. but that was scary enough, yes. right? So just the fact that... The fact that they have even more and that they have access to 
everything. Potentially, they have access to everything on my phone, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I with this with these permissions, I yeah. feel like I'm safe because I've deleted my Facebook. But I I, I know that we're talking really. about it in the chat room. But I was thinking about it as you're reading the story. Have you seen the movie The Circle? No. Watch it. Okay. And then just replace the circle with Facebook. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'll never sleep again. Yes. Super. Okay. Right. So we've got to well, we've got to actually wrap up, up the to, news. Yes. Uh, we don't have time for any more stories. So. Oh. Oh. That's it. That's the huh. news for this week. Whoa. Imagine that. That's what uh, happens when we talk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so um, we're going to talk. We'll bring up the YouTube uh, music store next next week it's oh. not happening just i mean it's happening but it's, it's not launching it's launching yet. it has yes. not launched well it, ha- it, no, it has, has in canada and the u.s but yeah. we're gonna bring it up uh next week maybe 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 we'll have some early access that would be kind of cool. <laughs> that would be so super cool now can you do your extra without uh without the teleprompter thanks for watching the category 5.tv newsroom um and um thanks like and subscribe, thanks, <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> roy w nash and our community viewers for submitting stories to us this week um <laughs> Slight Linux bias. Thank you. I'm Sasha Thank you for Rickman. watching, everybody. <laughs> She's Sasha. I'm Robbie. I'm Jeff. <laughs> wow. Trade wreck. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us, and we will see you next next week. Yes. That's right. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.